0: Uh, another can slurp. Yeah, that was the good. Can, the can slurp is not ideal.
1: Jake. I thought no. Which it's one did like we a, like last? No. The can.
0: It, the one. What's that was the like can? Yeah, that, was, empty, a Diet Coke. The that yeah. was like half empty and it oh. all like sloppy. That was yeah. right. It's yeah. been sloppy a while. slurpy. I'm,
1: I'm losing my edge. Welcome to another edition of What's Your Record. I'm your host Jake mazon with my other hosts Grady Penna and Tyler Penna. Hello. Hello. What's going on, boys? Uh, been a minute. minute yeah it's been know, right
0: it's been a while this episode's coming pretty late
1: I know sorry I got another I got another job you know with this booming economy there's so many jobs that I thought why don't I get another one uh, just to really reap the rewards yeah you know pay rent and shit anyway um, dude peach-sized what an episode <laughs> I think it'll go down as one of our best and best <laughs> titles we were just talking about it most famous sound soundbite available in our canon now All right, anyway. Welcome. Thank you, Grady. Um, Today's theme for What's Your Record is officially B-sides, outtakes, and rarities. Um, So, basically anything. So now, time for Jake to tell Tyler what he is wrong
0: about. Basically, anything that's not like an (laughs) official album that is you know that was made separately from an an official project or
1: Yeah, I feel like the second yeah. terms are kind of like self-explanatory <laughs> like outtakes would come like from sessions where an album was made and that could be anything from like a different mix sometimes you have like alternative lyrics or just ones that like ended up on the cutting room floor being like we just want to put 10 songs out these are the 10 strongest ones so there's like four left behind but you know because I know this is your your friend Max's favorite part of the show is where we talk about our personal drama instead of the music. <laughs> Which one of you posted the Adrian Lenker and Tyler Buck who Owens do you think thing, dude? Who do you Tyler think did, did that? Of course and Tyler I did that did. to
0: get back at you okay, because that um, does qualify as it, a B side. It does not. Yeah, it does. So this is why. So okay, ladies go and ahead gentlemen, and explain and then so that, that way we so theory. this is
1: why we have context today at the beginning. I've prepared a brief history of the B side. For Tyler Penna, Mm -hmm. because Tyler tried to select something that was released as a standalone thing that never existed anywhere else by Adrian and Buck from Big Thief that they recorded before they became Big Thief. (laughs) Um, And I think it's just their names, right? Isn't just Adrian and whatever. They don't have a band name. Anyway, so here's the deal about what a B-side is, because they released two EPs at the same time called A-sides and Mm B-sides. Okay, so... Brief history here. Um, There were no record charts until the 1930s. Like this is boring. No, dude. (laughs) Just kidding. When you start reading for that, when you start reading your Wikipedia page. Oh, that'll be coming right after your history because I'm gonna debunk your theory here. Actually, your Jimi Hendrix one doesn't have a long enough Wikipedia thing that I would yell at you for reading it. It's like two paragraphs. There you go. Um, Okay, so basically. 1948, Columbia Records invents 33 RPM records, which is what LPs are. And then 1949, you get the first 7-inch record, uh, which is for singles. Basically, one song on each side. Nice 7-inch. Yeah, nice 7-inch. Uh, if you're punk, like Black Flag or The Circle Jerks, maybe you can fit like four songs because your songs are only like 50 seconds long. But there's finite amount of space. Circle um, Jerking with a 7-inch. So and up that's until, how records work. <laughs> yeah, up until this point... Um, When they were on 78 records and music was like a new thing being played on the radio, the sides didn't matter. They were just like assigned randomly. Um, It had nothing to do with like what song you should focus on, which one the record labels were pushing, blah, 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 blah. Um, So typically an A-side is the song that the label chooses like we're going to put money into this and we want this to be on the radio. This is what we want to plug. Uh, Later, that would be the song that gets the music video that gets released before an album comes out. That's an Um, A-side. B-sides back then could just be another song on the album. They weren't typically throwaway um, in the early days of it, but it was just another song to throw on there. Sometimes you would get happy accidents where a B-side would be just as big of a hit as an A-side. One of the big examples would be Hound Dog by Elvis. That was just a B side. You that, ain't but a Yeah, exactly. That was the yeah, B side to one. "Don't Be Cruel," but it ended up being just as big a hit. Um, but it was I'm a B side. It wasn't a double A side, so there's a difference. A double A side is when both songs are intended to be on the radio, and just the basic reading that I was doing. This normally comes up when there's some kind of dispute between what the label wants to put on the radio and what the artist wants to put on the radio. So a big one was the Beatles started doing a lot of double A sides, and their first one was um, We Can Work It Out, which is what the label wanted to be mm. um, the single, and John Lennon really wanted Day Tripper to be the single, which is a little more rocky and edgy. We Can Work It Out is more yeah. like early, like poppy yeah. Beatles, blah, blah, blah. Something
0: that would probably fit better on the radio Yeah, that
1: time. so double A side... Both songs would fit better on the radio, and same thing, back then, if you were going to a place to listen to music, jukeboxes played records, so if you had two really good songs on it, like, that worked out. Um, Okay, skip ahead to the present day, please. Okay, so well, no, it's not present day. So then later, oh boy. <laughs> when the labels get more control, they start purposefully putting songs that they don't think are going to work on the radio. So that way, like it's not up to the DJ being like, "Oh, I like this song more." It's kind of like B sides become like acapellas, remixes, those kind of things. So it's very mm-hmm. obvious which side you want to play on the radio or, or instrumentals. Or instrumentals, yeah, that's really popular on like hip hop ones. You'll get like instrumentals or acapellas, so you could throw them into your own remixes. Blah 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 blah. Um, from a consumer standpoint, B-sides is like more bang for your buck because you don't want to just buy a record with like one song on it. If you know that song's going to be on an album that comes out like two months later, maybe then you can just hold off. And from a collector's standpoint being like, oh, I can get that. You can't get it anywhere else. Um, so really famous songs that were B-sides that like surpassed their A-sides would be like I Will Survive, that disco song by Gloria Gaynor, Ice Ice Baby, that was a B-side by Vanilla Ice. And I was surprised to find out that Maggie May by Rod Stewart wasn't an A-side. That was just one that got, like, thrown on there. So, nowadays, because physical media for music is, like... Uh, Here we go. Doesn't really exist. Um, we know these kind of songs that used to be B-sides for singles as unreleased tracks, bonus tracks, non-album, rare, outtakes, or exclusive. So, this is where it's, like, if you go buy Taylor Swift's new album at Target, you get, like, two extra songs. Bonus tracks. Or, like... Um, destroyer's done a couple where they do like reissued deluxe versions that have four or five songs but the b-side is actually having it be on the flip side of a record that doesn't really exist anymore so that's how we know those um so in conclusion tyler's selection of the big thief thing they both came out on the same day they were never available anywhere else so Um, what so they're not b-sides they can still be b-sides you can release two things on the same day
0: and you can call one an A side and one a B side. That's totally within your freedom as an, as an artist. But I've, it, do, I, I've done that before.
1: But it doesn't fall under, like, where it's like we know what an outtake is and a rarity, like something that wasn't available somewhere else. And so it's not be an collected.
0: outtake or a rarity, but it's a B side. I think it, it's called B sides, dude. How do you explain that? I think what Tyler is saying that... <laughs> you can name a record whatever you want. Exactly, and well, you can call a B-side whatever so, you want, because a B-side is just something that doesn't have the same history I as think the A-sides or has its own Something it to accompany something that was
1: made for you to hear, like a single yeah, want so you to hear Yeah, so they made
0: A-sides, and the B-sides accompanied that. I think the point here released is on the but same like day, But it's more
1: like a double album. Like, you know what I mean?
0: Or it. like, it's two EPs, one with A-sides and one with B-sides, because they felt that the A-sides version... Meant more to them as A sides, and the B sides were more B sides, and they just released both of them. All right, look, I think the point here <laughs> just, is that it's the,
1: so stupid that does not make sense at all. Really, I think, the point, I yeah, think like, your
0: argu- i don't think your argument to, right, to you say it's not something. B sides is very is very effective. Like, I'm not—I'm—I'm I'm not hearing a clear argument how it can't be B sides. It, it's not outtakes or rarities, but it's for sure B sides to me. I think the point here is that Jake. Uh, the initial history of B sides stems from there being records, whereas we're yeah, in, a digital in the age, modern day, yeah. in the digital age, there isn't really a clear definition of what a B side can be exactly. anymore. So I think that in that but if context, they both were readily Tyler's
1: available fan. and didn't come out like anywhere else, that's just like calling it that. That's yeah, fine though, but like, that's what it is. I mean, now. if that's you, what if, you go, into, if you
0: go if you go and think. record a single today and you say I want to release this as a single. It's not available anywhere else, and it won't ever be. It's just a single. You can release that and then release a second track of the same nature and call it a B-side because it accompanies that A-side or that single. That's all that this is. It's just tracks that accompany A-side counterparts which are therefore B-sides.
1: But the other thing is, is like, this is also like more than two songs. Like it's an EP. Like it wasn't like, we released this song, which is called Quiet Folk. And then that's the only thing we're focusing on. But what they're doing is they're playing on
0: the idea of A-sides versus B-sides. And they actually made a full collection of A-sides and a full collection of B-sides and released them accordingly. Like because that's what I mean. It's like the B side album for them. to their A side album. Exactly. Almost. Exactly. And yeah, it could be considered a double album. I mean, but again, like I don't see how you can call it not B sides. That's my thing. Like I get your argument and I totally get the history. But I think in in like he said, in today's age and an album like this, I think it still qualifies. But I didn't pick I it because I wasn't allowed to. And he so was not allowed to. But just that's because why, I posted, about posted it, it. Yeah, because I think it's kind of clever. And I think it gets people to, to say, oh, OK, I've, I might have not heard that or whatever. I didn't know that existed. Like, Grady's a huge Big Thief fan. He didn't even know that existed. So it was not. cool to show him OK, but that's, that's like, OK, so do.
1: let's say if, like, like, just by putting a name on it, that's like if Joe Pass came out and put out an album called, like, Heavy Metal. And you're just like, oh, dude, that's metal.
0: It's not the same thing, though. Dude,
1: it's totally the same thing. How? Because How is it that's the like same what? Thing? Because he's just like, this is what I called it. That's the name of it. Like ignoring the history of like heavy metal ignoring like the genre like specifications of what makes a certain thing this but he's just like that's what I called it so that's yeah what but you is. could
0: say that he called it that because he used heavy gauge metal guitar strings while recording it like who are you to say that he's trying to call it heavy metal the genre
1: I'm just saying that if we look at the other two words that came up in our title that are very like you would not argue like well, you know, this could be rare because, like, one person in Indonesia has, like, never heard it, so it's technically a rarity I, even I though it's, like, readily available. I think this is going to be an available. agree to disagree type <laughs> yeah. scenario here, and yeah, we should move I, on. Exactly.
0: I think we're all valid here. Except I mean, Tyler. Okay, well, if that's what if that's what you need to hear, then go ahead and hear that. But That is
1: what I heard.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, what did we actually pick for this week? All
1: right, well, I'm going first, so... <laughs> Okay. I talk about mine then. Yeah, <laughs> can I talk now? Yeah, because yeah. that record done? wasn't
0: even on this. On I know. This no, I know,
1: but you're out putting it on there like to get my goat, which you did. I was just like, "Fucking Tyler!" Yeah, like I knew it. And then well, there you go. Oh. If it makes you feel better,
0: I scolded him for not um, actually linking or referencing back to the new episode I that did. would be coming out. I did reference back to it on like, the stories. Okay, what to the soundtrack the... one? I know. No, yeah, in the post. I this is why you handle social media. I know. It's fine. I, I just get well you know, when no one posts for fucking weeks at a time and I'm the only one that has time to post,
1: we I'm just like saying, get on three your weeks, shit. There's nothing to post.
0: Oh, Dude, God. there's always something to post. I mean, he is right. There is. So that was my stab at Jake and Grady. Grady for not posting and Jake just to piss him off. So there you go, everybody. Man, I wish we would have recorded right, like everyone. the two-hour conversation <laughs> we had
1: where you got all upset that you, you couldn't pick here. Big Thief.
0: Tyler's the only correct one two ever. ever. He's the only one who just Hey, I didn't say that. I said Jake is also correct on this shit. I just think that qualifies as B-sides. I think Jake's history and all that is fine, and it definitely is not outtakes and rarities. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, uh, the album I chose is a... I think would fit Jake's description of not B sides necessarily, you did a great but job. here I have a question. And- I have a question though. Do do B sides have to also be outtakes or rarities, or no, can they just no. be B sides? What do you mean? Exactly. Oh
1: <laughs> no, we're not going to get into that. I think a rarity means like not. I know, but what what is but, like,
0: just a B side now in today's age?
1: what is just a b-side yeah well that's what we were talking about it falls under those terms that i put at the end because there's not like physical media of like flipping like think of b-side as flip side like physically flipping a record over Hmm.
0: okay all right well the album i chose is uh george harrison early takes volume one so I heard about this fairly recently, and it's actually, it came out, you would think since the George Harrison record, it would have come out like 70s or, you know, a while ago. Yeah. Uh, but this actually came out in 2012, it was released. And it was released as part of the deluxe version of Martin Scorsese's documentary called George Harrison Living in the Material World.
1: Which I have not seen. I have not but seen if that if it's either. as good as all his other musical film explorations, it's probably, <laughs> it's probably really pretty good. good.
0: Uh, so it came out as part of that. In 2012 and it was basically from what i've i've read um Giles giles i don't know how to say that name g-i-l-e-s probably giles. giles Giles martin who's an english record it's probably producer. actually guile whatever he's an english guy and he's a record producer and songwriter he uh, went basically him and um this other guy went to george harrison's house and they found a unboxed like, forgotten reels of music of George Harrison music that had been left behind, I'm assuming, after he died. Um, and He's they... dead? Oh, shit. He is? <laughs> Fuck. Spoiler alert. Yeah, Spoiler damn, alert, yeah. George Harrison sag- sag- sagically. 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 Sagically, <laughs> sagically passed so sagically. away. Um, it is. Uh, I just invented a new word. There we go. I like it. I like it. It's kind of brutal sounding, though. <laughs> sagically. Sagically. Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah. Uh, they found this collection of uh, of recordings, uh, and they, I guess, they had it involved with um, Martin Scorsese's film, and then released it in conjunction with that. But it's basically a a collection of ten tracks uh, of early takes that George Harrison did of songs that would later go on to be on um, some of his records. Like it went on to be a lot of them went on to All Things Must Pass, which is probably his most notable. Uh, official album that he put out yes and then just must uh, joe pass yeah (laughs) Yeah, there you go um but yeah so before i guess i get into it further why don't we go ahead and and play a track up here did we we didn't tell tyler which songs we were going to play Nope. we're just going to go for it because we always just pretty much have to wing all right well you know what george george uh introduces this track so why don't we uh go ahead and play run of the mill all right from the from the beginning yep
1: it's called Run of the Mill, this one. Take one. Everyone has choice When to and not to raise the voices It's who that decides Which way you will turn while feeling that our love's not your concern. Should I decide? No one around you will carry the blame for you. No one around you
0: will love you today and throw it all away. So, yeah. um So, Giles Martin, the guy I was just talking about who found the tapes, he said that... um in, in these recordings we hear an intimacy to George's voice and guitar that can only be achieved with live performance devoid of production and i would have to agree with that i think these versions of these songs bring like a raw beauty um that can sometimes get lost in some of his more traditional studio productions that you'd find on like his official albums from that era um so they just bring this kind of raw freshness that i think is is really good for hit the sound that what are you doing tyler Recording. Oh my God! What are you doing? <laughs> Always being distracting, aren't you? I'm trying to give my speech here, and you're I'm, I'm listening. Hey, don't pay attention to me. Well, what is you're shoving speech. a camera in my face? I Jesus hear you, Christ. and I respect what you're saying, Grady. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you, Jake. That's good. Um, so one of the things that surprises me about these recordings is that even though they're you know early takes and demos,
1: quote produ- unquote,
0: quote unquote, the production value is like surprisingly high. Like the mic quality is really good. I would expect them to be way more like low. Nah, that's the
1: I wrote that too or whatever for it being like demos. But like that's that Beatles money. Yeah,
0: like, they I guess they had they had the good money. But yeah. so not only that, but a lot of the songs, you know, they don't just have him playing guitar and singing. Like that one is very acoustic. It's just him playing and singing. But some of the other songs, they have you know like slide guitar. They have strings on a couple of them. They have like other instrumentation, drums. You know, they have a full setup for a, a handful of these tracks yeah um, i mean it sounds like a lot of these were just like unmastered maybe or, or well they obviously you know mastered them for yeah they this, for this right this yeah. thing, so like but it could have been mm-hmm. like a almost fully fledged like take it was just like yeah maybe well i looked at this they were like whatever, they were but.
1: like sketches to give whoever was gonna play mm-hmm. on that album well you can like, hear
0: he, he introduces most of them saying like this is the song take one and then they just do it and like dude it's so impressive like how good of takes a lot of these are for like like that one was like take one or something like a lot of them it's just take one and it's just like fucking nails it yeah like super good take everyone plays really well he sings it perfectly well when you're that good i wish i could could do that you know i wish i could do that that well when i record music but um yeah i mean the whole album just has a really like lush vibrant sound to it you know you get that live feeling as if you were kind of just sitting in front of him, watching him play these songs on guitar for you, basically. And I really like that. And honestly, a lot of George Harrison's solo music, because of the Beatles, he's probably my favorite uh, individual songwriter. Like, I really like his style of guitar playing. Uh, A lot of my favorite Beatles songs are ones that he wrote, like, While My Guitar Guitar Gently Weeps and and so on. But anyway, I, I think that in his solo work, some of that is kind of lost it's it feels very like production heavy there's a lot of like different sounds going on and it's a very different vibe from this and though, and totally. i think it's still good i just like it's harder for me to get into um than something like this where it's just very straightforward it's very you know in your face and it's just like here's the music listen to it basically um
1: and i think part of that because i think the best descriptor that you use which i wrote down here or whatever is that it does feel very intimate um, because it's just him again, sketching these ideas that are going to become something a lot bigger, especially yeah, cause I made right. sure I, I didn't know if I was going to have time, but I felt like I had to do it to go listen to the finished versions that ended up on all things must pass. Um, and they're so huge and full. There's like so right. many different tracks so and much background. Yeah. It's yeah. really big. Um, and this but, just strips it back. But I think like the, the other thing minimums. to think about when you're describing that is, you know, at the time in like 1969 and 1970, when he was making this, he probably wasn't planning on anyone else hearing this, like outside of who was in the studio right. kind of thing. Um well, I, I really like liked a, it i feel like that's yeah. a
0: lot of so that's a lot of outtakes like her b-sides album is is that totally. they're made after the artist dies and like who knows if they intended it to be something that was like publicly yeah. released like that you i know? Th- i think that these songs just really go to show how adept george harrison is at like creating these like, crafting these melodies for his guitar and his voice and like how good they are um and I mean, obviously, you can hear that in like the, his work on the Beatles. Obviously, the Beatles are the biggest band ever in existence or whatever. But I think that this shows that he can do that on his own
1: really well. Totally. And that's something that he struggled with while he was in the Beatles, because I think some of these songs yeah. definitely... All Things Must Pass, like they were presented to the Beatles or whatever, and John mm-hmm. and Paul were just like, nah, Probably dude, like, like yeah. Like, so Let's he was get already a couple more Ringo yeah. ones. He was just- already working oh on on these ones, and then when Paul said he was gonna leave, he's just like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm gonna make this fucking huge epic three LP because that was one of the things too. When I'm like, okay, shit, like I have to go compare these early takes to what ended up, and I'm just like, uh, All Things Must Pass is a fucking long album. Yeah, it's really <laughs> um, long. Uh, one other piece of information I thought was interesting that you guys might
0: think is interesting about this record that you may or may not already know about, but um, he brought in other people or he used uh, recordings that were not written just by him. For instance, um, Let It Be Me was a, originally a French song that was made famous by the Everly Brothers originally, which we talked about when James was on the show. Oh, when Country Beverly Jake Brothers? came to visit, yeah. Yes, so I guess I they made that, that song fondly. popular, and then he's doing like another version of it here. Uh, and then "Mama, You've Been on My Mind" was solely written by Bob Dylan, and if you listen to that, it basically just sounds like a Bob Dylan track, straight up. Like George Harrison, yeah, they Sidney were Bob Dylan, cover. they were
1: good buddies. Um,
0: and then he, uh, Bob Dylan, also co-wrote. Um, which one did he co-write? Bob Dylan. Yeah, he co-wrote Oh, if you um I'd have you anytime. He co-wrote that one with George Harrison and then he just fully wrote Mama You've uh, Been on My Mind. It was Bob Dylan. But I just thought that was interesting because I well, the first time I listened to this uh B-side or outtakes album, I heard that song and I was like this just sounds like straight up Bob Dylan track and then I found well, out surprise, that he wrote surprise. it. Yeah, I'm like,
1: "Oh, that makes sense." Um but yeah, I enjoyed this a lot cuz I would say I'm also a big fan of George Harrison's work in The Beatles, but I'm not super well-versed in the solo albums that come out under his name afterwards. Yeah, really into The Traveling Wilburys. I listen to that mm-hmm. a lot, which, Grady, you're familiar. Yeah, like his super group with like Tom Petty and Bob Dylan and I've Roy heard that. Orbison. I'm, I'm not that familiar Yeah, with so that. I know like his work and his contributions to that. I mean, I've heard all things must pass, but like I said, it's not something that I go put on all the time because it's like... It's very dense. Two hours long. It's long and Um, dense. And a lot of it's like jams. Like he separated it at least being like, yo, these first two LPs are like the serious stuff. And then these are kind of just sketches and ideas. Um, The intimacy was really, really cool part of it. Um, The only one that I noticed the biggest difference, and this would be a song that I'm familiar with, is My Sweet Lord. Like this version of it is way more laid back, and the way that oh, I yeah. compared it, like without all the like the gospel background vocals and you know the fullness of it, it kind of sounds like a like a youth pastor like practicing his church songs before he mm. like unveils it to a the kids bit. at Vacation Bible a School. Bit, yeah, because that song is huge, <laughs> and there's a whole lot going on. And that's always been one of my things with George Harrison is like he got really spiritual. Um, and it's kind of this, like, all right, dude, like, you know, just go smoke more weed and yeah. stop singing about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So, um, was he
0: always <laughs> spiritual like that, or what? Because, like, my sweet lord. The is tail end of, favorite track on this. Well, the tail end, end of this too. There's a few that he definitely gets pretty religiously on.
1: Yeah, I think what was the other one, awaiting you all, which I really like, and I like the demo version on here more than the one that ended up on All Things Must Pass. I think like the yeah, distorted guitar that he put on the demo is a lot cooler, and it gets buried and you know, the vastness of everything that's going on in the final one. The the the, out, the
0: song that I uh, played, Round of the Mill, I think is my favorite on here, but I also really liked um, The Light That Has Lighted the World. That, that one good. I
1: put, yeah, that last one I think has my favorite guitar tone. Yeah, it's really nice. I think the vocal delivery is really like raw and emotional. I like how he um,
0: introduces the Mill. He's like Ronald the Mill. This one,
1: yeah, I know the Liverpool <laughs> accent is great. Um, but yeah, you know, I was surprised that there's not a whole lot written about like when this came out, like in terms of reviews. And I don't know if that's because of like the way it came out, like with the DVD of the movie yeah, originally it's kind of or had a whatever. Weird but like what I could tell, because the reviews were kind of like average. um is that the main gripe with it is, like, it's very cool in this intimate setting. That's something that has to be valued. But in terms of, like, them being, like, outtakes are, like, totally different from, like, the final versions... It's pretty much, like, the versions that are presented here, and there could be a bunch of demos of him, like, doing more sketches, trying to figure out what the final song is going to be like. Like, this is pretty much cut and dry, like, right, this is what it's going to sound like on the record, just obviously, like, Uh throwing a bass player on it, or a drummer, or something like that. that You don't really get to see a whole lot of evolution of it, but it is very, very cool, um... To just see, is you know, it's basically you could imagine him just like playing it in his living room or something, like into totally. a reel-to-reel tape player. It was really cool. I was, um, yeah. And again, surprised you picked it because I didn't peg you for a big like uh, any Beatles listener. Well, not saying you're not I, familiar. I had whatever, no idea but, this,
0: this. I had no idea this existed. Uh, and then Zach sent me run-of-the-mill one day randomly. He was like, "Oh, this song came on my playlist because he basically only listens to stuff from like the sixties and seventies, almost almost hippie. strictly." Um, so he sent me this and I was like, oh, this is really nice. I had no idea this George Harrison album existed. Um, and then from there I just listened to the whole thing and I was like, oh, I actually really, really like this. So when, you know, I guess it, I, I, I mean, I, uh, had the idea for this episode, the B side one, or I suggested it with kind of this album in mind. Yeah. So I just thought it'd be cool, but yeah, it's a good, it's a good, um, little album. Tyler, you're being awfully quiet. Yeah, you've been on your phone doing other stuff. You have any uh, opinions on this? Yeah, content, posting that social media content for their podcast. Content. So, uh, George Harrison's definitely my favorite Beatle by far. Um, What about the dung beetle? (laughs) Yeah, except that (laughs) one. That's my favorite Japanese beetle. beetle. (laughs) Um, I think what he contributed to the Beatles and the the element that he brought to their sound is probably what makes the Beatles so unique. I mean. I'm sure people will hate on me for saying that, but Yoko Ono will, she's going to see us. I dude. feel like oh, his God. guitar playing and his uh, his sort of creative style that he brought into that group was really what like made it kind of the perfect the perfect quartet or whatever. Um I mean, people will say what they will about Ringo um not being as, you know, creatively involved or whatever, but I mean, Paul and, and John are obviously amazing talented musicians and songwriters, but I think without George in the mix it would have gone a very different direction um even though he didn't have like complete creative control of it I think he brought a lot to the table there but uh solo work I mean there's not a ton of it obviously there's like what'd you say it's like a three LP thing right
1: this is yeah
0: yeah so like but I mean George Harrison isn't for sure known as one of the Beatles to like have a ton of solo work I mean uh, Paul McCartney probably has the most right. Cause in he's terms still of like, yeah, because he outlived and wings them. and like all these other groups that like were kind of bigger. But, um, I think this, this is interesting for sure. Um, when I was listening to this, it was definitely like Jake and, and Grady, like you guys said, like kind of a, a looking glass into a more personal George Harrison, which is cool. Like, he, you know, you said he could be like playing these in his bedroom or whatever. So that, that element to it is really cool. Um, I thought it was kind of funny, like that he put Let It Be Me on here because it's like, nah, fuck, let it be, let it be me. I know, like, right? I don't know if that was even thought about, but that's what I thought about when I heard that one. But um, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a cool mix of songs. Like, Mama, You've Been On My Mind is interesting to hear him play. Um, My Sweet Lord, obviously, that's like a pretty notable song for him. Uh, pr- probably one of his most notable songs. Yeah. But hearing like this version is cool. Like Jake said, it's like really different. Um, yeah, musically, I think he's crushing it. Like he's, he's hitting these like on first take, like Grady said. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's cool. It's unique. But what I didn't like about it is that the tail end of it gets a little bit meandering to me. Um, It's not as like solid. I don't know. Maybe just the song choices towards the end are not up my alley as much. So, I mean, I love the last track. It's, that's one of my favorite ones. The last track again, the one we were talking about. The, the, light the, the, light, so the light that the light, light the light the light that is light yeah yeah that one's yeah, good yeah uh, i, I also, mean i'm not, I also like behind that locked door a lot too i mean i don't know i'm not too keen on like the last half of it to be honest um but it's it's good it's for sure good I, it's really short too so i don't know i like i listened to it a few times through and i don't I don't know if it's something that I would like regularly go back to. I think it's a cool piece in history, a cool piece in time for him. And like uh, like I said, like a looking glass into like a more personal George Harrison, which is cool. But I don't know if it's like as an album, super
1: solid for me as like an album. Well, and that's the thing when I think with like looking with all of these or whatever. And again, I don't want to get hung up on semantics like we did with like what makes a B-side or whatever. But like, what's the difference between an album and a collection because i think with the theme for this one these are all just like and that's what i mean collections yeah and
0: that's what i mean though like i'm not talking about it as like oh i didn't get the concept of the album like i just mean like as a collection it's not super strong for me like i think half of it is strong and the other half to me wasn't as strong so like for me only about half of it being great or good i think doesn't leave it as like a full complete collection that i'd go back to very often Whereas like Tom Petty has a collection called um, uh, what is it called? It's like a six,
1: it's like a six CD or six LP. See, and that's what I was about to say with this kind of stuff. It can be dangerous because you're saying this album is short because there are people like Dylan and Neil Young do it too, where you get like Highway 61 like takes one through 45, where it's just them like twitching little knobs so the mixes are slightly different. And at that point, like I don't want all that. Yeah um
0: no um oh playback is what it's called it's like a huge box set anyway um tom petty's thing it's it's cool like that i got that when i was younger and that i go back to all the time as like an entire collection and that thing's fucking six cds long and i think every single one is solid as hell so Uh, that's kind of where i'm coming from like this is short (coughs) and even within how short it is i still could like do without a few of these songs so yeah. that's where I, that's what i mean more so as like a collection it wasn't like as solid to me but um okay. that's kind of my only criticism of it yeah i mean i just I, I think there are like one or two songs that are not as strong but the rest of them i think are are good and i think it's such an, an easy listen that it's it's hardly even noticeable. yeah it's an easy me. listen for sure yeah because it's only like 30 minutes long and they all i think stylistically like and production wise they all are pretty similar like, totally. you know, they're not like there isn't a huge, like disparate, weird lo-fi song just thrown in the mix that like ruins the flow of it for me. Yeah. So I, I don't have those complaints with it personally, but I, I guess, I don't know, I-, I guess I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, I guess it boils down to like it being so short, like Jake's pick was so long it and like, long. yeah, there's tracks that I'd do without on that as well. But like right. the percentage is smaller in terms of the whole, right? Well, I guess we're going to get to that one we will all right well but that's what i mean like speaking it's of long which... and there's a few that i don't like but like overall it's still like a high percentile of the ones that i like speaking of which shall we move on who's next
1: isn't it the tyler sandwich isn't he in the middle
0: oh tyler in the middle yeah am i okay. you're
1: the you're the cream filling dude
0: mm. okay then <laughs> <laughs> oh man now i want an ice cream cookie sandwich
1: dude. damn it jake Damn it! I know good. we should have designated a snack guy. We just have a bunch of dry oh, snacks I think, and here We uh, got potato no, we need, sticks. We and need to pretzels. hire a uh, a secretary. ASAP. Katering? I think, Francie's
0: yeah. making banana bread over oh, there. Oh,
1: oh. Craft services—that's so. what it's called the fam- in the industry. The that's family what we recipe name. of banana bread. Is oh, a of the bacon. bananas in the freezer? The black bananas in the freezer. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, that's sick. That's, I'm that's down. the key, dude. You gotta let them blacken
0: first, and, <laughs> yep. and then and then you throw them in there. You wait till they turn into black moldy mush. Yeah, make the best banana bread. It sounds really gross, but it's sick so you'll good. be sick for a week but it's worse no it. builds no, no. character and your immunity no. system all right uh, what did you pick tyler okay because your first pick got rejected so my first covered. pick got rejected by jake rejected. um which i'm still bitter about as you, you went can through
1: tell. A, well there were a few there were a few picks yeah so i <laughs> you were struggling with yeah this so one. i
0: struggle with themes like this because i feel like i don't listen to a lot of these things regularly and i don't and every time i go through and, and make a playlist i want to pick something that i stand behind like 100 percent like that's one of my favorite things or from a favorite artist or something that i'm just like full-on 100 percent backing so that's where i struggle with these picks because i feel like sometimes i'm like okay i gotta play into the theme i also gotta make sure jake and grady haven't heard it before and like that gets tricky for me so um yeah, it was, it was tough, but I settled on, uh, Jimi Hendrix, a collection album of B-Sides, Outtakes, Rarities. I think it kind of has like a little bit of all of those, um, mostly probably like Rarities, I would say, but, um, a posthumous album, right? Yeah, it's called, both, too, it's called yeah. Both Sides of the Sky, um, and yeah, it's, it came out in there's 2000, sides. that side and then there's that side, <laughs> Yeah, both sides. Actually when did it come out? 2016? Um, oh, it's that recent? No, maybe 2014. Let me let me see here. Uh 2018. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, super recent. Okay. So yeah, 2018. Um and yeah, it's uh it's thirteen songs. It's like an hour long. And it's fucking long. Yeah, it's pretty long. I mean, there's definitely some tracks that I would leave off this as well. But um before we get too far into it, let me play a sampling. Um, Which one are you going to play? So I'm going to play $20
1: Fine. That's the best fucking one on this thing. <laughs> All right. Here it is. Uh, Jimi Hendrix sounds a little weird on that. Dude, yeah, so <laughs> as you'll notice. Yeah, dude, when I was listening to that, when I was hanging out in my living room or whatever, I'm just like, who the fuck is this random ass bass player that he is singing on these <laughs> songs or whatever? And I was the first thing I was thinking of, like, kind of sounds like the raspy yells of Stephen Stills on Ohio. And he's like, yeah. how many more? And then when I was reading You're it like, today, oh, I was like, shit. oh shit, it is Stephen
0: Stills. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <my> <laughs> so as you'll notice, uh, Jimi Hendrix is not singing on that track. Um, that is Stephen Stills, as Jake said. Also, he's playing the organ, uh, which is very prominent on that track. And Stills is yeah, okay. And a few Crosby, Stills, I think, and Young, and Youngs, and Young. Don't forget about Young. I don't like Neil Young. Oh my God! Get the fuck out of here! You guys always hound me for not listening to Neil Young. You
1: have only heard "Sex on the Beach." (laughs) I love "Sex on the Beach." (laughs) Your sex
0: is on the beach, (laughs) and I ain't talking about the album. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. that's not the album, dude. All right, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so many things wrong. I know. you're on anyway, both sides of the beach yeah all right
1: and i'm having sex on all, all the sides <laughs> on all Jesus. sides oh my
0: god we're gonna have to put an explicit on this I episode need,
1: uh, just on this one yeah just on this one all the peach, rest have been family squeaky, friendly peach fully size was fine yeah That's peach fine. Size was, well yeah it was artistic yeah did you like my art. spinning
0: peach gif on the oh god on the instagram <laughs> post of that anyway. actually yeah all right so um yeah so this album is kind of interesting so jimmy hendrix has a couple people on it he has steven stills on this track and track uh, i don't know what number it is but woodstock um which is actually kind of funny because on that one jimmy hendrix is playing bass and he's kind of backing Weird. up stills on that so interesting um he also has johnny winter on the track uh things i used to do
1: I the believe? one with slim man and parentheses or something is there
0: yeah well the one where he's playing slide guitar so i mean that track like basically features johnny winters guitar and then anyway so john um, winters it's a cool it's a cool little collection of, of songs but i think it's definitely not like anything super strong from jimmy for, for as far as like original music i mean he's got stronger stuff out there he's got better albums out there obviously but tend to this agree. is this is a i guess the third of these kind of post-death um collection box set release type Whoa. things. Sounds brutal, dude. Yeah, Post so death. so obviously obviously <laughs> the say dude posthumous. Yeah. Posthumous. Posthumous. Um posthumous. obviously this dude he lived a very short life. He died when he was twenty seven. Um twenty
1: seven club bro. Yeah
0: twenty seven he's oh, part yeah, of the twenty seven club which is like a big deal. Janice Joplin, uh Jim Morrison, Kirk, Coben. Coben. Kirk Cobain. Kirk Coben. Yeah. Kirk didn't Elliott Smith die at twenty seven too? Mm, maybe. He... There's a lot uh it's a thing for sure but um yeah tragically he did die at 27 but um he kind of like lived a fast uh hard life i don't know he like he here did a, lo- a good time he did a lot lo- yeah he, he did <laughs> a lot of shit in the time he was here so he like basically recorded <clears throat> all the fucking time i mean there's so much recording <clears throat> of Jimi hendrix was 34. out there yeah, that's a different club yeah he made club it past club. the club, the club. Um, but yeah, so it's Jimi Hendrix has a lot of material that he recorded, uh, which is really cool. Cause a lot of guys that die young, especially in like that fashion that are like doing live shows all the time or whatever, and they overdose or whatever, they don't have a lot of recorded music that then goes down
1: as part of their legacy, but, but then some do cause like making that sounds like you wonder like if they have a premonition or they're aware, like the lifestyle they lead is going to like lead them to that. Cause like, look at Tupac, like Tupac has more posthumous albums than he did when he was alive.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. Recording
1: all the time.
0: Exactly. And I mean, yeah, a lot of this stuff was like unreleased or it was like different versions or whatever, but um, it's cool that it exists, I think. And so, I mean, I picked this one mainly because I, again, run into the problem of a lot of this more rare shit not being on Spotify. And since we run the playlists off Spotify, you're kind of limited to what is there. So I had a few um, picks up my sleeve that I wanted to pick, but they just weren't on Spotify. So, um, but yeah, I definitely still back this. I think it's really, I think it's really unique. Um, one thing that people often say about Hendrix's recordings is that his original band um, with the as the trio their recordings were, like, pretty raw. Um, a lot of a lot of stuff that they did was not really polished um, and not really, like, too clean-sounding. So I think you can kind of hear that on this, like Mitch Mitchell on the drums um, on a lot of these tracks. Like, his drum takes are not uh, the cleanest. They're not, like, perfectly in time, but he holds the pocket for Hendrix's guitar playing really well. And I think that honestly, when I first got into Hendrix, that was like something that drew me into it was that it's not as polished, even though he's huge. I mean, he's arguably one of the most famous guitar players in the world. And his guitar playing is never, honestly, never really that clean. And he doesn't like have too much that he like falls back on. Like, he definitely does repeat riffs here and there and like goes back to like stuff he knows, but he's always kind of like pushing the envelope on what he's doing in his solos. He's always trying to like explore a little bit further, play something a little more dissonant, a little less clean. So that is what I really like. And his bandmates do it as well. So the bass and drums, they're not like these like cookie cutter. Like if you, if you listen to Stevie Ray Vaughan, it's a perfect example. Cause like they're in the same blues vein or whatever, but Stevie Ray Vaughan stuff, all the bandmates are just like fucking cookie cutter clean. Like they're just like the baseline is walking. The drums are drumming. Like it's the same fucking drum beat every song. And like, it's yeah. just like, doing like the its most thing. Guy Fieri
1: description <laughs> <Yeah>. of music. <laughs> no, I know the meat was <laughs> but, meaty. But that's the intentional. <laughs> salt was salty. You knocked it out of the park, <laughs> but oh,
0: that's fine. intentional <laughs> because that's what it's, that's the sound of it. It's so cookie cutter. Right. And it's like, this is different. I mean, the way that he's drumming on it the way that the bass is going it's not like this the typical blues backup band sound so that draws me in a lot um and this is a good sampling of that um it like a good example of that sound of where the band is kind of like here and there they're like not as tight but it's really really cool to hear it and and um that this kind of stuff exists so mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's kind of my analysis of it um i definitely like the tracks I mean, the one I played, $20 Fine, is really cool. I think his version of Manish Boy is really cool. Um, Hear My Train to come in is cool. Mayonnaise Boy. Mayonnaise Boy. <laughs> um, what else? I like Georgia Blues... I definitely don't like Woodstock as much, and I definitely no. don't like Cherokee Mist. He's kind of like just fucking I was fucking gonna, well,
1: I was gonna ask, like when I saw that and I listened to it, and you hear like that that drum beat, like the dun dun dun. I was <laughs> like, is this cultural appropriation and kind of racist? But Jimi Hendrix has Cherokee uh, heritage more yeah. than Elizabeth Warren, so it's oh, it's all good. <laughs> it's He's alright, yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: um, whatever. But like, but yeah, there's like I said, there's tracks that I could do without, or like definitely moments I could do without, but. Again, I think it's more of a collection that I'm glad it exists. I'm glad it was put out as, you know, as what it is. But so, what'd you guys think? I think the first thing you said was this is kind of an interesting album. That's kinda of how I feel about <laughs> it's it. Kind it's kind of kind of an interesting album. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's cool. Like I, I agree with a lot of what you just said, how it's 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 interesting to kind of look get a different look at, at, at Jimi Hendrix and sort of this posthumous album that shows you a glimpse into some of his lesser known, you know, stuff. Um individually though, like I don't think really many of the tracks stuck with me. Um like almost all the instrumental ones were just like blah like skip for me and i feel like like they threw them them all at the fucking (laughs) end yeah he did put them all at the end (laughs) like the the order whoever put the tracks in the order i was just like that was a bad like jungle 2 starts out really cool and i'm like oh yeah okay i'm vibing with this and then it just kind of lingers on the same thing for like five minutes and he doesn't sing or like there's nothing else really going on it's kind of just him jamming a little bit yeah i'm just like "Eh, all right yeah but that that is what makes it a little bit different than like his normal album yeah but is that a good thing. No, no, I, I mean, it depends. It depends yeah. on what you're, what you're seeking out from him, right? Um, but yeah, I definitely think the first like couple tracks are probably the strongest, like "Manish Boy" and "Hear My Train in And yeah, stuff from the beginning. I actually didn't really like the songs where other people sing, even oh, if really? it's like stills. Like I don't know,
1: it just was like. Oh, see, Off I like that better Jimmy. because I don't think Jimi Hendrix is a good singer. Right? Really, no, that's I like not his what he's voice. Known yeah, for. I but like his no, voice. I think his voice has like a very like no emotion. <laughs> weird. Or different oh, no. I like his voice. It has, it has a very
0: like comforting quality to me. I don't know what it is about it, but maybe it's nostalgic. nostalgic yeah. Because I used to listen to Jimi Hendrix a lot as like a twelve-year-old. Yeah, it's nostalgic. And I thought he was. Sure. Oh, back when you awesome, used to which take is, like, a bunch of acid, right? He is pretty awesome. But no, like back when I was first like realizing that Patton music woodstock. existed <laughs> you know and like all i listened to was like the beatles and Jimi hendrix basically i thought he was really sick um and so maybe it's just more of a nostalgia for that but i i like his voice he was so, really sick grady he died that's he's well, sick with hey, addiction yeah. by the way grady woodstock is a joni mitchell song it is and yeah. a city interesting in I new york so. I like Joni Mitchell's version more um, even though I haven't heard
1: it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so <laughs> but you so, already yeah, know you'll like it way more yeah, probably. Yeah. Exactly. Probably. yeah. Um, I would probably I would agree. This might come as a shock to you, but I'm not a really big Jimi Hendrix fan. Oh, I already knew um, that. But we've um, talked about this. Yeah, before. we've talked about it. And again, I think it just comes down to like to preference because like rolling stone like the magazine the brand is just like on his dick rock and roll hall of fame says like he's the most important recording artist of all time and i yeah, just but think like
0: R- rolling stone <clears throat> didn't review this album very well
1: okay so that's well that's the thing so and i'll get to that and i think it's because it's like one of three yeah because yeah. the first one i think won a grammy like everybody was yeah. really stoked on it and mm-hmm. it feels like when they hit this third one that they saved some good ones, like the $20 fine, but it was also like, all right, this is the very last of these yeah, sessions. Yeah, that, that's that we exactly have. what they said. They said um, they're
0: scraping the bottom
1: of the barrel here of like the outtakes. To or where whatever. I think if they had, because I obviously didn't listen to the other two, but I think the other one is something of the Seas of Neptune, the first one that won yeah. all the Grammys, that was the yeah. first one. If they had combined all three into like a really solid, like 12 track thing, I think it'd be really fucking good. Um, I just think Jimi Hendrix, and again, I think this is going to come down to it. Kind of reminded me of when we talked about uh, when you pick the the Blues Breaker album or whatever. That the blues isn't necessarily my wheelhouse, so I don't always pick up on the nuances. I think Jimi Hendrix is like really overrated um, as a guitar player because I think he just kind of goes and like he's the precursor to Jack White that he played the blues, but like with distortion and a little more of a wild feel than what it had been before you think jack white is a better guitar player uh i think he's a more innovative one but i mean really it's the kind of thing that if you take away like but if you took away all the pedals and stuff like that or whatever he would just be playing i think jack white is an overrated guitar i agree i agree it's just kind of like you know bringing the blues to the forefront when it's been kind of like out of everybody's direct headspace i guess um but yeah so i think these they're salvaged takes from what would have been his album that followed up electric ladyland like he was right. recording a lot like you were saying yeah. so if there's three albums worth like he would have had a shit ton of stuff to do i know. mean
0: th- to be fair there there are tracks on each or there's the same track on how do i say this some of the tracks are on all three so oh, like here like my train of comment. yeah okay and see i was gonna so,
1: say this is where it comes for the subtle like here my train of coven to me is just like the most stereotypical blues trope <laughs> like there's a joke about it in Metalocalypse yeah, yeah, with yeah, to, yeah, Here comes the things. train a coming blues yeah. or whatever just doing the bending to make it sound like a train whistle. So yeah. I would say this album falls under the genre of what James and I would call blues farm uh which is blues just, dir- yeah which uh yeah. dirty I blues see, rock. I I farm. See yeah. That. Uh, um
0: I don't know. So one of my
1: biggest gripes is that I think for having the opportunity like the George Harrison one of like you know we have all this stuff obviously we can't re-record anything but we have all the time in the world to like go and handle the production I think the production is really spotty and inconsistent yeah Um, that you can tell yeah, on some of them like that's kind of part of the, the thing though I think so well if you look at the Wikipedia like unlike the George Harrison ones that don't really give you a lot of information about when was this take recorded like this one yeah, like, was, has a date and what studio I was yeah. looking it for was more in information but I mean like can find it just in the first three tracks where I think it's the most notable, uh, notable the drum tones are like all over the place. And again, oh, that could yeah, be like yeah. different drummers, different studios. Well, it is different stuff. drummers. But, you know, with the hindsight of being able... And the thing that shocked me about it is the producer is Eddie Kramer, who's done a lot of cool shit. And why I'm most familiar with him is he saved Kiss. Like he produced Kiss. <laughs> he produced... Because Kiss is he a terrible... Kiss studio band. band if they wouldn't have done kiss alive they would have been fucking done and they would have bankrupted the album they were yeah on. they're just like performer um, they're like yeah they're yeah like so a, he, a produced a the, he produced basically live musical album, clowns and then he came in no totally <laughs> they are totally. Look at the totally. but they are their second <laughs> set of albums albums four five and six eddie kramer produced two of them and they sound way better than when they first burst onto the scene So, like, knowing what he can do, because I'm fully aware that Kiss is a terrible band (laughs) musically, but to make them sound, like, halfway decent and cool, I was kind of shocked that I thought, like, some of the, even just, like, basic mixing stuff and, like, levels was kind of all over the place. And I'm terrible at that, but to where I'm going, like, what was the song? Um, Power of Soul. Super sick Mm -hmm. riff. And then all of a sudden, like, the vocals drop in and they're, like, up front like it's a pop singers thing yeah. or whatever. Like I just thought it just wasn't very consistent. And again, I'm aware that, you know, their collections of different studios, different takes like over, you know, in a two year period kind of thing. Um, my favorite track was the $20 fine with Steven Sills. I thought it was musically the most interesting, like it breaks out of the blues jamming thing yeah. by adding the organ. And when the mm-hmm. organ comes in and I don't know if that's the chorus or if it's a pre-chorus type thing, but there is a little bit of a musical term that just kind of breaks from the sing riff sing riff solo kind of thing um and again i had mentioned earlier i think whoever picked the track order about throwing all the instrumentals in at the fucking end or whatever it's kind of like very easy to zone out when there's like no singing for like you know three tracks in a row
0: yeah it must be hard to go to go through and make a track listing for something like this and again like you were
1: saying because they by this point they'd already put out two collections. It's kind of just like, well, we've kind of used all the ones with vocals already, so yeah, like they the just rest. have to go oh, somewhere. Yeah.
0: Um which I which I kind of like that element to it a bit. Um like I would I would disagree with like the Rolling Stone thing of like they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. I mean, they definitely are, but I think that's like kind of a good thing. Like I'd rather hear this stuff than
1: not. And well, I think, and that's a lot different to say that about an artist who's, like, alive and been, like, yo, dude, just stay in the studio for six more months and, like, try to write yeah. something better. This is yeah. kind of like, all right, this is the end of it, so, like, right. you know, tough shit. Like, we just want you to have it. We're well, not saying it's all great. And, and I mean,
0: a lot of it is, like, I think it was, like, um, I read something, like, the Kinks describe it as, like, he's, on uh, like, it's, like, for all for the money go-round. Like, it's just, like, for the money, and which is, like, it's kind of fucked up that... Their daughters kind of involved, involved this shit or out.
1: something or granddaughter. There's someone from the Hendrix estate who got together with Eddie Kramer and is in charge of all this shit. Just like Tupac's mom is the one that licenses all his stuff. Now yeah, that he's dead. I mean, and like, it is what it is. Like yeah.
0: I, I'm not gonna say it's like terrible or great, but like it is what it is. And I think that that definitely shows that like they made three of these and it's like they are really like they're they're picking everything they possibly can to put out there. But I just wonder how these artists that are dead would feel about it going out you know like i mean i definitely have fucking tracks sitting in my logic file on my computer that i'm like oh shit i hope that never
1: sees the light of day like (laughs) (laughs) do i have shit floating around that's online or whatever i found my old soundcloud or whatever i was like oh that needs to come down right now yeah Um, yeah totally i've I've already done that on my stuff yeah and
0: it's funny to see to see that at like this level of like on on an artist of this caliber that's like huge artist and who knows where some where some of these came from but
1: Yeah. So overall, like, I don't know, like, it's just, it's, it's good bluesy jam thing. I definitely think if you were like, if I were stoned, I'd like it a lot more, but, uh, (laughs) so it was not
0: like any Jimi Hendrix stuff.
1: I could, if you gave me a greatest hits, I'd probably like that, but I don't think like deep cuts or if I listen to a whole album, I'm just like, Oh, this is great. Like all things can I just think it's kind of repetitive. Do you like like any blues music? Um, again, like, like is kind of like, I can listen to it, but it wouldn't be like, a like a first choice type thing. I mean, like, I like... I'm I'm, I'm just
0: trying to get a reference. I'm not a huge blues fan either. Yeah. 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 Okay, got it. I prefer
1: more of, like modern Again, it would so be like whenever that, i
0: pick blues or jazz i know i'm not like gonna get jazz. either see, of your I would picks think, and wait until you I like have an, jazz i have I like an jazz. idea for the next right. i have, i'll i'm not gonna grill you on, i have on the an idea well see and that's the thing or
1: whatever about saying it in front of you that i like jazz and you're gonna be like yo dude like have you ever heard like well, sun no, Ra's six not, album no, no, outtakes I'm not, box i'm not like, even nah, gonna dude. go there
0: it's more just like when you say you like it like what are you guys listening to i don't even know a lot i've never heard you bring it up at all
1: Oh, I've listened to like most of Miles Davis, like studio things, like up to damn, Bridges, well, Berwyn, that, maybe a that's couple a after. Like, that's no, I know, he's got a lot of shit I did him. Yeah. Um, that's what you like? Yeah. I like Dave Brubeck. Wow. Um, okay. Like, I have I mean, like... <laughs> it's, surpri- it's surprising, um, wow. but. Okay.
0: No, I mean, it's surprising. It's just like. Charlie Parker. When you Parker say you like it, do you mean like you album? like one track that comes on no, every I couldn't tell you the seven titles, years for you No, I just
1: generally. I would compare it to the same kind of thing, I mean, like when favorite. I put on like instrumental beats, like if I'm doing work or whatever. Like I really I like it, and I can yeah. appreciate the skill, even I though I don't have the vocabulary to talk. My about. My
0: favorite The Thelonious Monk song, if you want, but no, no, I'm not, I'm not like, I don't really care about. We'll talk about that this when I have. Like, surprising that I have an idea. I don't for know the next to what capacity you like. enjoy it. Like, is it like something um, like Jake just said, like that you put on for background, to kind of like getting shit done, or it depends. Um. Sometimes I'll do more active listening on jazz, but usually it's it's stuff I enjoy more casually in the background. Um, I really, really like uh, artists more in my the genres that I typically listen to, like in the indie sphere and stuff that use um, elements of jazz in their music. Well, so I yeah, really like jazz as an inspiration <laughs> into more modern music that I'm listening to now that's not strictly jazz. Got it. So in that sense, you know, I really like jazz, but I also will listen to actual just straight jazz uh, from time to time as well. Okay. All right, I'm going to go there, jazz.
1: But I have an idea for a theme next week that I think will be fun that will give us an opportunity to explore this. Okay. Okay, Um. so for my pick, as soon as Grady suggested this theme, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, one of my favorite albums and, well, like, holy, holy so- grail of, like, owning it on vinyl like I remember the day when I found this at a record swap meet what do you have to say Grady well you so you picked the Smiths yes I did
0: uh, which is l- louder than bombs louder right? than yeah. bombs so well the funny thing is when I picked this I was talking to Tyler this theme and I was looking I like googled like oh great b-side rarity albums and like the list came up of like 20 or 25 of them and I was scrolling through, it was like, The Smiths, The Cure, Morrissey, and we're just like, well, Morrissey's Jake's going to really, have yeah. his fucking pick on this one, that's Morrissey's sure. is really
1: good, too. It's obvious, it's his best collection of studio songs, I think. But the Smiths one, Louder Than Bombs, um, so here's something, because I feel like the last time we talked about this, Tyler brought it up. The Smiths have a lot of compilations, and the difference between, so there's one called The World Won't Listen, which was a UK one, and then they release Louder Than Bombs, and The World Won't Listen is a more like disciplined, like confined one. And then Louder Than Bombs, which is, I think, 28 tracks, double LP, um, is more expansive because it was one of the first times that a lot of this stuff was easily available for the US audience because it is a collection of all the Smiths' non album singles and B sides. Um, And the Smiths were very big on the tradition of releasing non-album singles in between their studio records, because the Smiths only have four studio LPs, and each one has 10 songs. So that's 40 studio tracks, but the Smiths have 78 songs, so like almost an equal amount come from things that were never released on an album. So... Um, a lot of this takes songs that were on a UK compilation called Hatful of Hollow minus the radio sessions, and they put them all together for the US audience um, to have for the first time. And then UK fans were super pissed off because this one is way better than World Won't Listen, and then they had to reissue it over there. Um, so before I get into it, I would like to play... There's a lot of songs here. And yeah, you, I think you got a lot all, to choose from. They're all really good except one, but I think I want to play William It Was Really Nothing. Wait, what's the one that's not good? Golden Lights, their yeah, cover that, song. I that was going to say it's that It's universally hated. Yeah, it's bad. Universally shit on. We'll talk about that. Okay, you're playing William. William It Was Really Nothing. Okay. The rain falls hard on a town. This town has dragged you down. The rain falls hard on a humdrum town This town has dragged you down i had to cut it off before the big booming chorus but it is what it is but you have to God, go listen to the playlist the guitar work is so good there's like so many different guitar lines going on johnny Marr calls his process guitar orchestra," whatever <laughs> where he was like never he'd never uh-huh. went into the studio with the limitation of knowing like so I'm, humbly called that's what he came up with yeah but you know like you'll watch if you watch live videos of them playing that song like he has to pick and choose which lines he's going to do and he never let that stop him from what he was doing in the studio um so like i said the smiths release a lot of songs in between albums that weren't on their albums and normally how it would go is the single would come out in the uk and then if the single did really well they would throw it onto the us version of the album like this charming man was one of their first singles and it was huge for them so when they put out their first album in the u.s they threw this charming man on there even though it's originally not on the first album but if you were a u.s fan like you think it's on the smiths um so i love this collection and i think it really speaks to like what they're into as a band like morrissey and johnny marr i've read both their autobiographies johnny Marr's is a lot better because morrissey just like he talks about shit that like isn't important it's like yeah and then in two days we recorded the queen is dead and he'll spend like one sentence on it but then talk about this cat that he had when he was 16 for like <laughs> 10 pages And i'm just like i don't care um but they were really obsessed with the pop charts like one of the things that gr- drew these guys together was their collection of 45s like when they met each other and they were feeling each other out or whatever to see if they could be in a band they kind of judged each other's record collection to see if they were cool and one of the first <laughs> things that they decided on before they even had a song was what their first 45 single would be so they always what knew you mean, that they, the name no like what the label would look like on the record like the color scheme like it's oh. going to be blue and silver we're going to be on rough trade they knew before they were a band like we are going to get <laughs> signed to rough trade oh my god this um, is like
0: all the things you tell you tell like each other not to do when starting a band like don't get ahead of yourself yeah but they did
1: and it worked out for them and um so doing the single thing i think worked out to their advantage so it kept them relevant so they put an album out it does really well instead of waiting you know like another year or two years to put one out halfway through they've got a new single that's got a brand new song you never heard anywhere else and then one to two b-sides that were recorded in that session. So it was basically Johnny Marr coming up with riffs and then just like giving them to Morrissey ASAP being like, yo, let's write three songs. We'll put it out. We don't have to wait till we have 10. Like there are stories of the only song on here that appears on a studio album is Hand in Glove, which was their first single that they put on the first album. But this is a different mix from their seven inch. And the story goes that Johnny Marr was playing guitar in his room, came up with this riff, looked for his tape recorder Realized that he had let Morrissey borrow it, had his girlfriend drive him to Morrissey's house and he brought his guitar in the car and kept playing the riff so he wouldn't forget it because he didn't have a way to record it um, but I don't know. I think it's intimidating and like overwhelming to have like twenty eight songs to like go through. A lot of the songs are short, and I think they master that. Like, William, it was really nothing, like, barely clocks in over two minutes. I think it's a perfect pop single. And the record label told them, like, oh, that song is really good. Like, you should do another verse and a chorus to make it longer for the radio. And they were just like, uh, no, we're not gonna <laughs> no. do that. No, um, we're not. I've said what I have to say. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it covers their whole career, which is why it's so it's so big. It goes from their first 7-inch they ever released to the wow. stuff that came out after they had already broken up. Golden Lights was there, which is like it's a cover but, that Morrissey wanted to do. But she there's
0: not- like a formula to it, right? What do you mean? You said it's like the A side or the the B sides and the singles? Yes. So there's like a formula to this
1: collection. Yeah, so it would be like, for example, William, It Was Really Nothing, that was the A side of a single. It's not on an album, they just put it out like, hey, we are we don't have an album coming out, but here's a new song. Right. And the B side, it's not on here because they had already released it in America, was How Soon Is Now, which is arguably okay. one of their biggest songs that like still gets played on fucking Jack FM, which I think is weird that that one's more famous than like there's a light that never goes out or big mouth or something. But when they submitted that to the record label, again, this is where the label gets to say, they're just like, how soon is now is just Johnny Marr fucking around with the vibrato on his Fender amp or whatever. It's six minutes long. Nobody's going to want to listen to it. We'll just throw it away as a B side Mm -hmm. on this. And it became one of their biggest hits of all time. Um, but yeah, so it's basically they would always release, you know, some new single and then there'd be one or two B sides that would go with it. So they kinda go in order.
0: Yeah, so that's kind of cool though. Yeah, because like, it's formulaic but in a
1: good way. Yeah, like, chronologically. Yeah. Um and then there are three this was a big thing in the UK. There are three radio sessions that they played for John Peel, who's a legendary BBC DJ oh, yeah. that like broke a lot of bands. Like if John Peel got behind your band, like you were pretty much like fucking set. For and sure. you would go into the studio and you would play live tracks and a lot of those were on a compilation called hat full of hollow but that was uk only so they put a few of them on here for the u.s people but the reason why i really like this collection um it just i think it's really diverse and it shows like their capabilities of like all the nuances of their music that in one setting like you have some of their hardest rocking songs like sweet and tender hooligan that are really distorted or like really fast drums like almost double bass-like sounds on the song London with some of their softest, like, sweetest, sad songs, like Half a Person, Asleep, obviously, Please Let Me Get What I Want, which I think was in 500 Days of Summer, but Zoe Deschanel does a really good cover of it. My favorite one on
0: here is uh, Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now. So
1: good. Um, like I said, really the only one that I don't like is Golden Lights. I like all of them. And then... Some of Johnny's best work, which, again, is just, like, crazy. Like, best guitar work, like, William, it was really nothing. Like, a lot of that is really intricate. So is the song Girl Afraid, which would have been the next song that I picked. Like, some of his best picking, prettiest sounds, and all this stuff was never put out on an LP or whatever. So, like, if you didn't have fans that were super into them being like, I'm going to collect all the singles because this is the only way I can hear new Smith stuff, you might miss out on a lot of it until this compilation came out, which is why it was really cool, especially in America Because UK records are considered imports or the more expensive. So instead of hunting down all the singles, which like, I almost did it. It would have been really a lot of money. So that's why I'm glad that I found a copy of this. It's an original pressing being like, okay, cool. So I can just buy one record with everything instead of hunting down like 13. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, but back in the day, as
0: they're coming out, that probably wasn't that rare for people to do. No,
1: no, not at all. Yeah. Um, and again, it keeps you relevant because you don't have to wait like a whole album cycle. You're just like, boom, here comes The Smith with three yeah. new songs. Right. But
0: then again, like this way that they release their music too, it kind of shows that some of this shit should be really good, because if it's like a single, they want to draw people in with one song and it's better be fucking good.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it speaks to, again, I would say really Golden Lights is like the only Clunker Smith song that I'll ever skip. Because they were only together from you know for five years, have almost eighty songs, and like wow. almost all of them, in my opinion, because I'm a big Smith fan, are like prime songs. Whether they're the longer yeah, ones, they're not singles, fillers. like yeah, I don't think really they have any filler to me personally. Yeah. yeah. Um. And again, like I said, or like how you brought up, the fact that they had this vision of like we're going to release singles and we're going to be on the charts, like even when we don't have albums, which is stuff like should be the least of your fucking concerns yeah. when you start a band or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, right, we don't know, even, right. they didn't even have a bass player and a drummer yet, but they're like, our record's going to look like this. We're going to be on this <laughs> yeah. record label. And it's just like, great. Who's going to play the music? It's like, yeah let's, yeah. let's not do that. So, um, um, they're magical. Um, and that's all I have to say. Thank you for I letting think, me gush.
0: Yeah. I think <laughs> of, of all the picks this week, this one feels like the most essential listening for like the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that makes sense. Like I really mm-hmm. love the George Harrison one, but if you like i don't i don't know like if you like the beatles and george harrison i wouldn't say like first thing you should listen to is like that b-sides oh, you know sure. or yeah. whatever cuz a lot of people who like george harrison may not even like the stripped down versions and or whatever same with the hendrix one that's like the one yeah. the last i would listen yeah, to yeah that's like if you're a huge fan and you want yeah. like a deep cuts type of thing yeah um but yeah this feels essential it is really long and there are a couple songs that you know i thought i didn't like as much um i'm and when it comes to the smiths i'm definitely more a fan of the like softer more melodic ones rather than the heavier like rocky ones um so i i I just tend to gravitate towards those ones so i like those on this one the most but even though it was long you know it didn't feel like there was a ton of filler or anything what else did you like on it besides heaven knows um i mean yeah that one was my favorite i really (laughs) the line where he's like I got a job, and heaven knows I'm miserable now. Looking for a job, and then I found a job. And then I found a job, and heaven Mm -hmm. knows... I'm like, if that isn't a perfect encapsulation of, like, capitalism, then fuck. Like, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Like, yes, I found a job. Fuck, I'm miserable. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yep, pretty much. Um, There's just so many. I I think... I'm trying to remember, like, because I listened to without really looking at the track list too much. Um, I think I liked um half a person so good a lot and sheila take a bow maybe or is it really strange i think i remember the one of the early ones i really liked a lot as well but yeah overall i thought it was good i thought the um the production was like good too like it was very smith's it wasn't anything that like stuck out as like being dramatically different or like um
1: uh what's the word like an outlier like a really noticeable outlier their
0: production is pretty consistent
1: throughout their whole career that's because johnny short johnny took over a lot of it after like he learned on the first two records and then he's like okay i'm doing it and it's also a pretty short career so like it was
0: all pretty much the same era the same tech and like they were did they record always at the same studio or did no, they change it up? they moved they moved around it was I like, think always in england yeah so but they like moved to sim- different places. similar yeah. i don't know like they didn't try to be like we're gonna go to the middle of the desert and record just because yeah, yeah. we want to <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not like the biggest smiths fan ever but i think as far as b-sides album albums go or outtakes or whatever you want to call this I, I think it's pretty solid
1: yeah, again, and that's what's just so crazy that when you think of like album culture, being like we got to put our ten best songs on it, that like here's almost thirty, and never none of them were on a regular album.
0: Yeah, so would I know, you? i was classi- shocked. Heaven
1: knows, I'm Israel
0: wasn't on a. I know. Like so, that is like a yeah, single right yeah. there. Well, there's a few of them like that, but so would you classify
1: this more so as um, rarities, outtakes, or B sides? I would th- not outtakes, rarities, and B sides. If you want to call rare, like whatever the A-side is. And Wikipedia does a good job of being like, this was the A-side and these are the two songs that were on that single or whatever. So rare in a sense that like you had to go out and buy this standalone record because it wasn't on the album. But then, you know, every A-side comes you know, with one to three B sides yeah. Yeah. or whatever, so definitely um, not outtakes. Like they were all finished thin right. studio things. Well, because there's a lot that are like that
0: are like labeled 2011 remaster. or Is that the whole thing? That's the whole thing. Oh, okay. That was the like the last thing, yeah. reissue campaign for. Oh, okay. They put out a big box set, I think. Tyler, did you have anything else to add about this? So the Smiths, to me, are. A re- I think one of the reasons that they're such a good band is because they did have like a really short. But really heavy career. Um, I think what they did as a band, and I didn't know this, what Jake said before, of like they had everything pre planned, but I think what they did as a band that it kind of speaks to that. They had this like vision or this purpose and they like filled it perfectly and then like dipped basically. Yeah. And I mean, they're all still alive, right? Yep. Okay. So they're all still alive. Two of them are making pretty notable solo projects, right? Yep. And I mean, the solo stuff is like, to their fans, I think it's like it's kind of it's kind of splitting, right? It's like some people love it, some people hate it. Morrissey, like Morrissey technically stuff.
1: record sales wise and popularity has done better sales wise, but now he's also been around a lot longer than the Smiths. Right. Were a band. right. And Johnny is like you know, if you like the Smiths, you're gonna go see Johnny. But a big yeah. reason about why they don't get back, they fucking hate each other. No, no, I know that, like, but like,
0: I guess more more of the point I'm trying to get to is like. The Smiths, as a group, are what makes them really fucking good. Like to me, listening to Morrissey or Johnny Marr on their own, it's not as not not even close. And
1: here's the thing: Johnny's been very open that he's aware of, like artistically, like the best stuff that he's ever written and probably ever will write was with Morrissey. Morrissey's yeah. more about like I became way more famous when I had to be a solo artist. So like if I got back together with them they'd be writing my coattails. Oh wow. Because Morrissey had <laughs> to be a solo artist because when Johnny left the Smiths, they still owed the record company an album. So they're like, All right, oh. Morrissey, you're a solo artist now, record a fucking album. And he was kind of right. pushed into it. Yeah. Um but they're both aware like they can talk nicely about each other. Johnny not so nice about Morris anymore because of his fucked up politics that I don't even want to get into. Like, I just focus on the music part of it. But, um, right. but yeah, they're aware I, that there was something there that they don't have and that they'll probably never have without working with each other. It just worked out that way.
0: Yeah, so I think... Okay, so so basically the, the, the grand point that I'm trying to reach here is that it's weird because these guys are all still alive. They all could potentially still be in a band together, but they're not. And never so the happen. Smiths do have this kind of like it's not that they died, but like the band died and there's all this shit that's being released kind of after that fact. And so that's why they have so much of this stuff of these compilations and rarities and B-side stuff that comes together. And it's interesting to me because like a lot of the bands that I was looking at picking a collection album from or whatever, they're all like artists that are dead or like that have, you know, they're like, basically gone. Like there's no more, there's going to be no more music made by them in current day. So here's what you're left with. And I think, which is kind of unique here because that's not the case, but yet, as Jake said, like, there's no way they're ever going to get back together, but it's, it's interesting. So, um, to me, like musically, what I like about this, I mean, and any Smith's album is obviously the guitar work is like phenomenal. It's really unique guitar work. Like this stuff is considered, Technically, it's considered '80s music, yeah. Yeah. Like, so for '80s music, like, really out there, Johnny Mars' somewhere. guitar work is like fucking way above most other '80s music. Yeah. And tonally, what he's doing, like the types of structures he's playing and the types of like riffs and patterns that he's that he develops, are way advanced for that era, and and even to this day, like, aren't really replicated well, like no. by really anyone. So, to me, that's what I I like about the Smiths. I mean, Morrissey's got a fucking buttery, really good voice. Like, the dude can sing. The thing that uh, always
1: gets me about Johnny Marr's guitar work, like, his career in the Smiths lasted from him being 17 to 22 yeah it's crazy i, I don't like think morris
0: he's a good singer by the way i think he has all right u- we'll go fuck off and he die. has a unique <laughs> voice that works but he's a beautiful voice of an angel i don't think he's a good singer so i think he's a good singer i don't think he's the best singer that there ever was like i don't think, no, I don't think as a solo was. artist he's like that great i mean obviously he's a singer like that's his thing like, yeah the dude doesn't play instruments nope so yeah. like you better be pretty good or like have a niche, right? And yeah. he, does. he has a niche. Yeah, and he does. I mean, and I think he he's good. He has a good. unique voice. I think and he's, I think he's that's good. I mean, you can't, you can't sing sure. professionally for that long and not be fucking good. Like, yeah, he's good, dude. Sure. I mean, yes, <laughs> obviously, like he's good at what he does in the band. I don't think he's a technically good singer. I, I, I would disagree with that, but I think you just don't prefer his voice as much. I I like that. I guess. I mean, but I'm not real saying I dislike his voice. I'm saying I <laughs> I'm saying I just don't think he's that good of a technical singer. Okay, well, I'm not totally sure what your, like, definition of a technical singer is. Well, he, like, doesn't sing on the correct pitch or key sometimes. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. But the feels. Yeah, he has emotion behind it, and he has... So do we, do we anyway. want to relive the country week right now? <laughs> no. no. we should wrap <laughs> this up. Never again, ASAP, we should. Because yeah. we've been talking for a while. Okay. Yeah, I, I make some cookies. Just, let's just vote. Let's vote. Anyway, there's a lot of artists that you like that don't sing on pitch or key all yeah, the time, and that's, that's intentional fine. and yes. whatever. But And I would say they're not that good of singers, but I still like really? them. Really? Okay, whatever. Yeah. Okay, what? whatever your definition is of a good singer, we'll leave it at that. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is that like everything that's going on in the Smiths music is it's like it came together for a a certain time and a purpose and they really fucking nailed it. Um, this collection, speaking to this one, I was pretty familiar with a lot of these songs, uh, before Jake put this on. And so I already really liked a lot of these. I mean, some of the standouts for me are like, um, uh, the first track is really good. Is it really so strange? I really like London as more of like a deep cut, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I I like William, obviously the one that he played. Heaven knows, i miserable now. Is good. Golden light sucks. Yeah, duh. Um I Golden like light um, by I like Shadows rubber. Good, I though. like rubber ring and um, hand and glove a lot. Dude. Um, God, there's so many. But yeah, I mean, okay. these
1: these are yeah, so Let him gush about the Smiths. <laughs> hey, he's let been gushing for too long. No, that's fine. Just really? because you didn't let me win the last Sunday. this time is going to be like here. our like, shortest episode in like six about? episodes. No, it's not. We yeah, it still a have little... the singles <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> we'll <laughs> we'll we'll <laughs> we still got 10 minutes oh to talk Real quick.
0: We still got 10 minutes to wrap God. it up. Um, but yeah, so overall, like Grady said, this is very this pick on this playlist for this week feels the most complete and essential and like But that's also a bad thing because it's also the one that I think we are all most familiar with. And I think it's one that is like arguably going to be like an easy win and like kind of a lazy pick. Sorry, Jake. But for, it you, the for you it's like say, a really lazy I pick. I will
1: say it is it is a predictable pick. Dude, I've been down. trying to ever since the B-side same so, was like floated, but I would argue I know, like
0: I am not going to dock you for that. Gonna I'm ju- I'm about. just going to call it out and we leave all, it there. We all know how many predictable safe picks Tyler has had on this, right. On yes. this show. Right. Okay. So so we're not going to we're not going to go into it too much, but I just wanted to call it out. But anyway, um yeah, I mean, it's it's a good it's a really good album. Cool. Let's vote and then go in the singles. Fuck yeah. Yeah, you got somewhere to be, don't you? I do. I have people waiting for me. Wow. Right, Great. you're so up first. Now that your time is up, uh, uh, gotta go. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm gonna go with Jake's on this. It's the, the Smith-Demption, Red Dead Smith-Demption 2 for yeah. Jake. Because the last time <laughs> I... I didn't vote for him. Because I don't know, of man. Like like golden lights, I didn't like. Golden lights. I know. I thought at... <laughs> I was like I was ready
1: to jump. Golden over there lights, and fucking I, punch I, you in the face. You no, know, Jake. I'm doing I like the, the
0: whole thing, but golden lights for me just. With I can't. The, with I the can't. Golden the, lights, I'm doing not the... Twenty-seven
1: out of the twenty-eight tracks are fucking primo, <laughs> but dude. That one... But that one, shitty one, you shouldn't no, have put it on. I'm there. doing the. I pretend not
0: to see it. Meme yeah. for that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> With the big eye emoji. Yeah. Um. But yeah. No. I'm gonna go with the Smiths on this one tyler or who's voting next am i next yeah okay um so the george harrison one is obviously good but again like i said not great um and i think the smiths
1: one is the clear winner so i'm gonna vote for that that's really cool because now i can reveal because i can reveal what i titled my section for the notes on mine so, when I named my album picks it, Jake picks another great album that pushes the boundary of what Tyler listens to, but will oh undoubtedly lose to Grady's because there's a Bob Dylan song on it. Oh Jesus. I, I was, thought you were going to like, George wait, Harrison sucks. First of all, sucks, how does this wait. push
0: the boundaries of what I listen to? I <laughs> love the Smiths. I low key brought up that Bob Jake, Dylan uh-uh. wrote the <laughs> song. I'm not letting that fly. <laughs> dude, <he had laughs> so two, that Tyler would
1: vote for me. I'm not I did too. When I looked at the credits, I'm just like, there are two Bob Dylan songs on there. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm not No, done. like, dude, the George Harrison one's <laughs> good. Bob Dylan, Tyler. Bob Dylan. The George Harrison one is good but no, he's like, already locked
0: in the end the <laughs> end to me like i don't know it's just it's not as solid but jake back to my shit about you la- picking a lazy pick you better en- enjoy this win because this, you better. Because Tyler's picking Boney Bear next week. No, no. I'm just <laughs> yeah. saying. I'm just saying because you picked the Smiths. So, yeah, you better fucking win it, on that. It
1: fit, yeah. it, I, I, that's what I thought the first time I picked <laughs> I, them. Yeah, well, you pretty
0: much did. That was a fluke. so <laughs> yeah, Jake. Okay, yeah. No yeah, more Smiths pick for at least a month.
1: Well, that's why I waited. Uh, I waited. It's been <laughs> almost a year. I <laughs> waited. Yeah. Um, well, I would pick the Smiths every fucking week. It has been a little while. And it's been a while. That's, that's what. And I cleared that. All right, let's So, what would you have voted for, Jake? Oh, yeah. Just out of curiosity, since it
0: still matters
1: yeah i would have voted i would have i would have voted for the the george harrison one yeah i didn't really i i don't share your opinion about it kind of like petering out at the end i do think it's kind of one track which was also like my complaint about the Jimi hendrix stuff is it starts to blend yeah. together but i actually could see myself if i was in a mellow like singer-songwriter mood like i i could listen to that album
0: again maybe one day i'll make a pick that doesn't all blend together for you jake 'Cause well, you said maybe. that about literally every pick I've ever made <laughs> on this podcast except the ones that I've won on. All right. Maybe. <laughs> single time. Dub <laughs> dup up up single
1: time. Um I'll go first. Wait, um, I didn't. I didn't. No, get to let's listen go to in yours. the order of the yeah. playlist. Yeah, let's just go uh, in the okay. order.
0: But I didn't get to listen to you, Jake because you put it on today, and I put it on yesterday. Okay, so or as I didn't see that you put it on. As some on people so well. have realized, this has been a long fucking time coming because there's a huge gap between this episode and the last one because we've all been so busy many as fuck. singles. But um, I picked this single before the out. Al- mm, on not. the day the album. Came okay, out. on the day the album came out, but. I had been listening to this as a single before the album came out. The, the um, single came out right before the album. Dropped. Yeah, it like was like the day. third. It was oh, like the okay, third okay. one. Yeah. yeah. Well, whatever. But yeah, it was the third one. Yeah. But um, it's a single by Grimes. Um, it's called Delete Forever. Delete she now has her new album out. Uh, it's Mis- really fun. Anthropocene. Is, Is that how you title? say that? Anthropocene. It's like misanthropy. Anth- yeah. But Miss, Miss, like, she's Miss a lady. Anthropocene, Anthropocene. I feel like, like. she pronounces it slightly differently, but I don't know. Well, she kind of has a speech impediment, so okay. I don't know well, how she... Wow. There you go. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Grady. Um, <laughs> wow. okay, uh, That was kind of mean. I'm yeah, it was, Grady. She's a lovely person. Well, I don't know how she is now, but yeah, you I met bet- her... You better backpedal. I here, met bro. her in, like, 2012 around Visions, when Visions came out in person. She, like, played at this tiny record store in Long Beach. And maybe Fingerprints? Some of my friends went... Maybe, yeah. And it was like, there were like 12 people there and we like met her and she like signed some shit and she was really lovely in person. So I just want to say that. Thank okay. You, Thanks for redeeming yourself. Save the sponsors. Um, so this, sponsors. this single, I picked it mainly because it's one of the most different Grimes songs that I think is in existence Agreed. as Agreed. Like um,
1: completely out of left field for yeah. her. when I put this on, I
0: was like, yeah. whoa, there's it's guitar the on, on Grimes album. album. I think it's, so it's my it's favorite track, track on, on her album, new album sure, as well, indeed. which is probably not shared by a lot of people. No, but it seems it's like it's shared. I don't know. I mean, I've seen some fan favorites are like, uh, what's the last track? The, I I adore you. Yeah. I adore you. That one's good too. That one's like a fan favorite. I don't know, whatever, but, um, it's a good track. It's fucking different. And I love the, I like, I like the direction she's going in. Like to, to me, her new album is like a blend of the last two. It's like not as straightforward pop as art angels, but it's like not as dark and like underground as, um, as visions. So I don't know. It's cool. I think she's doing a good job. I think she released her new album and and didn't and didn't expect it to do as well as it's doing, and it's fucking doing really well. She's like a super famous celebrity now. Oh yeah, she's she's having a a baby with Elon Musk. Maybe that's the hardest part for me. He might not be the father, right? I don't know. Listening to her music is weird (laughs) now because she's like this fucking super huge celebrity who is married to a billion, or you know, dating a billionaire. Oh, multiple multi-billionaire multi-ditty. it's just kind of weird because her music like has always been billion. sort of on like it used to be on like the outskirts of pop and it was like weird and she was like kind of this weird outsider who like and wasn't now all her that. songs are about tesla kinda, cars yeah, it's and really now, weird like, kind of though i mean she grew about up like that and uh, whatever kinda, but like, themes and I'm she, just grew, like, she grew she grew up pretty wealthy and privileged though so yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, not I like guess. she's like in a different social no, class necessarily but she definitely is at like super stardom now yeah which is different but it's just weird dude I think she's honestly crushing it. She's always been. She's always wanted to be like a pop star, and she's doing that in her own fucking way, and still keeping true to like her sound. I guess I like her new album overall. Um, I don't think it's as good as Art Angels or Visions. Visions will always be my favorite of her albums. I think. Yeah, so far it's mine too. Um, But I don't think it's as good as either of those. But I think it's a solid album, and this song is really good off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the single I picked i changed it a couple times because you did yes i had a few different picks on here because there were so many singles coming out in the past two weeks that i kept changing it um but i ended up going with uh, the new dirty projector single overlord because how can i not talk about dirty projectors when i have I the know. option to i don't know you can just try to refrain please i could because we, we all just hate them so yeah, much we all hate them anyway <laughs> they're they're my favorite band so i had to you know they have a new single out so i had to bring it yeah but, but this I single's is super cool i think the thing that's the most exciting about this single is no, um that for the past two records um dirty projectors has basically just been dave longstreth the lead the the front man because their band what their band was sort of broke up he had a falling out with um one of the singers who was he was dating for a long time they split up she left the band the other singers left the band it was basically just him and Nat Baldwin the bassist for a while um so he released like his breakup album and then he released a follow-up which had other singers on it but they were all just guest artists and they were very used very sparsely um so this single is the first with his new band which has Three new vocalists, two main ones, and then, um, or, I don't know, like, so I don't know how what they're exactly their roles are going to be, but they have three, uh, new vocalists, and then I think another additional band member, um, well, drummer, probably, yeah, a new drummer, I think. So, well, this it, is the first song they right? use that, and it actually isn't even him singing, it's uh, Maya Friedman, who's one of the new members. Uh, singing the lead vocals on this, which with the, is so the backup weird singers. because she doesn't even sing at all. I I literally thought she was in like so many other bands that no, I knew. No, she's like in one small. No, band. No, I know. Like I unknown. I went and researched it because I'm like, God damn, her was voice she on the sounds last album? so familiar. No, no, not at all. Not
1: on Lamplit Pros or whatever. no. I'm, no. Glad that, I'm sorry, I had to go to the bathroom. I had a rock star and a big diet coke, and <laughs> oh I, I couldn't wait. But I knew Jakey that Grady would have a lot to say about dirty Projectors. i'm just well, really excited like. so, about this because it has the new lineup we're, we're just talking about how dave, and
0: how dave doesn't sing on this song so
1: i thought it was kind of a weird power move because i think he might still be a little bitter over like because amber was such a big fucking part of dirty projectors being yeah. like this is the new era this girl's just as good i thought it was a weird choice for like the first single for this new lineup or whatever but it's good well it's also well, interesting because she's this uh, maya friedman she's also the new guitar
0: player in the band alongside him and that's what yeah. amber because Kaufman, amber played which, guitar dude that's as well. why i was so confused her voice sounds so familiar to me for some reason i was like oh she's been in other bands she must have so i like research it i'm like wow she really hasn't like i don't know why it's familiar but yeah but um you know this song's cool it's very simple it's very stripped down um it reminds me of like um, not Bitte Orca. It reminds me of Swing uh, Swinglow Magellan era. That's I would say what I the thought most... too. The music
1: video is cool. The
0: music video is very cool, and uh, Dave Longstreth directed it. I believe he like basically made the whole video. But is himself. this
1: has there been an album announcement or is no this just kind there of standalone? Okay, so
0: I don't know if this will be hmm. on an album. I think this would actually honestly kind of work better as just a one-off single because it's so simple and like kind of straightforward. But I like it a lot. I just I don't know if it like. I don't know. If I could see it being on full album. album. Did you guys of this. like the last record? I liked Lamplier it, but Bros? it wasn't my favorite. It was okay. It was right. Bros? I didn't it, listen. Yeah, I, I didn't listen to it. A lot. I like it, but it wasn't like the best thing of, for them. Okay. I, I. That's why I'm so excited for this because uh, the new lineup. I'd love to hear him singing with. Um, uh more the backup singers as well like i think dirty projectors were at their best when they were doing all these really intricate vocal harmonies yeah i think his voice works better with accompaniment totally totally but yeah um it's a cool single you should check it out overlord dirty projectors Jake, what's your single? Talk, talk about it real quick.
1: Oh, real quick. Uh, I chose I Can Tell There Was an Accident Here by Seosin. This is interesting because it's a really old song from when Anthony Green of Circus Survive fame now... Uh, was in the band like in 2004 and this was a demo that fans really liked and they've always played it live but it was only it only existed in demo recording so what the band did is musically they redid it in 2020 like this past week like a whole like actually did a studio version but the vocal track on here is anthony's original vocal <sighs> okay take from 2004 I, I was going to ask because
0: i'm like hold the phone. Did Anthony Green rejoin Seosin? Like, what the fuck's well, going did. on? he did. He did, and they I know, put out but- an
1: album since then, but it, he could not sound. Like he does on this one, but that's because this is 2004, still but, on yeah, cocaine. But I Anthony was like, Green. wait,
0: what is what is happening on this single? But that makes a lot of sense
1: now. Anthony right? Green's got a lot of personal stuff going on wait, right so now. Wait, so he or whatever. did
0: rejoin the band like he still plays with them now?
1: Yes, they put out a reunion album that was okay, and they tour every once in a oh, while shit. playing their first five-song EP. I didn't demos. know they put I
0: mean, out a reunion album. I thought they just like got him in a couple shows. No, 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 no. They no. put out shows. a reunion
1: album, did a full tour... Um, where they play the new stuff, the original EP and this demo, but, uh, just sounds a lot crisper, especially it just took me back to like, you know, having to download this original demo, like off MySpace when I was in middle school and always hearing it in kind of like low demo quality and then having like a new version of it. Now,
0: why didn't he just redo the vocal track then?
1: Like he's got a lot of personal stuff going on right now like i think he was sober for a long time i think he relapsed and he's kind of Um, like focusing on recovery stuff right now so anthony buddy hope you get better uh you sounded great back then and i'm sure you'll sound great (laughs) now when you get back out on the road when you're feeling better Um, (laughs) i'll have to listen to this uh i don't think it'd be it's pretty emo and scene or whatever i I, I, I was most interested to hear your reaction to it being like oh but tyler listened but you could you could tell Right, that it was yeah. kind of like old. Yeah, I was but. like, "What the fuck is going on?" But I, <laughs> now <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah,
0: I was like, "Wow, okay, but okay." Anyway, yeah, it's good. I liked it. I mean, I'm not a huge Seosin fan in general. I like Circus Survive a lot more um, as a band, and I like Sound of Animals Fighting and that whole thing. But like, Sick. it's City Survived. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but but Seosin Seosin's I for me. Yeah, that, and I mean, I love Anthony Green. So. Yeah, he's phenomenal. I prefer um, Anthony Oh. <laughs> Get what out. Get dude? the wow. hell out of here. See, this is me signaling we should end the yeah. episode. Talk about a technically good All singer. Right. So that was oh, a long yeah. one. Thank you oh, for indulging God. me.
1: Uh, you know what? I feel humbled. Vindicated. Tyler, you took my my history very well at the beginning i felt perfectly stonewalled and you guys tacking on the lazy pick or whatever i feel like i have been wait
0: you felt perfectly stonewalled i did no i mean
1: a, well because i was every time that i come in you know if i type my notes that like the only motivation for that is like i am going to fucking hand tyler's ass to him today and so did you it, do that no it didn't happen at all like Thank I had god wanted to. also um, to, to
0: stonewall <laughs> you even further my post that i made about the B-Sides album that you don't think is a B-Sides album, first comment, go read it. From who? From your girlfriend. Oh, I know she
1: loves it. Yeah, but, she yeah. loves it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? what I'm, just whatever. I'm just throwing that in there to
0: fucking I, yeah. No, I saw <laughs> that salt like, in the wound. I didn't talk to her you. about
1: it because I was just like, you're not making this any better, Daisy. I'm just like, I'm really mad because I had told James about your whole B-side thing, and he was like, dude, did you see what Tyler posted or whatever? And I was just like, I'm gonna fucking murder him. And then <laughs> yes, Daisy's, my plan yeah. worked perfectly. <laughs> and then Daisy's on there giving it like hearts or whatever. Oh, it's like, so God good. Damn it, man. That I couldn't have that. worked Thank out you, any Thank more you. perfectly for me. All right, so, thanks, so, Jake. No problem. Yeah. Glad to help. But you won, so um, I did. Congrats. So I'll yeah. take it. Um, like, follow, subscribe on Instagram. Uh, I think
0: James should just come in and like be our fucking moderator. I think that, he wants to. That would be so good. He
1: popped in the room today when I was pretty. He's I know, like, oh, right? is it a is it podcast research day? Oh my and he was god! Like, like he came out Dude, while he, I was doing it. Like, yeah,
0: he'll. If I ever text him about this shit, he just like goes into his like his true feelings about the podcast of what we should and shouldn't do. I'm like, damn, this fool's straight up being so real He's right a now. Super I was fan, like, dude, he could like, be a manager. Um, yeah, he could, but keep following or us. I him like to get the, us a sponsor and yeah, he can be our manager. <laughs> the,
1: the social media has been getting more engagement. I feel like each episode, like since we've been on anchor doing it on Spotify is getting more listens, like as oh, we keep yeah. going, which is super cool. Um, so follow the playlist. Um, all the old episodes are up on Spotify for you to go listen to. And I think yep. you, if you follow Tyler on uh, Spotify, you can find each corresponding playlist if you missed anything. Yep. Um, that is
0: the cleanest and best way to do it, because otherwise they're pretty hard to search for. Yeah. Exa- they are searchable. Ex- exactly they are searchable, the- but it's easier to just follow me and
1: then like look at what I make exactly yeah. and i'm not even gonna i'm not putting them up on soundcloud or mixcloud anymore because spotify is the yeah. easiest way to do it and i'm pretty sure you can access it even if you don't have a, like if you have a free account or whatever yeah. you can get all the podcasts sure. and stuff so it's super yeah. cool glad we're doing that all right uh, with that said adios we'll see you Thanks next time all right have a very nice time. hit it